I'm Carrie, and we're going to talk about uh, stress in life. Stress in life. I think this is important for us to consider because when we get stressed, we tend to be less patient. We tend to be at risk to be way more reactive with people around us. So even people who we have no anger with, we can be more reactive with. When we have anger with a person because we have a scorecard, okay, then my risk to be reactive in not good ways, again, goes up as my stress goes up, okay? Now, not all stress is the same. I had somebody talking about that. I kind of look at stress like a teeter-totter. You remember those on the playground? <laughs> kind of have to achieve, if you're perfectly balanced, you can sit level, but the whole point of teeter-tottering was to go back and forth and we played games with teeter-totters when I was a kid too, where we tried to knock the person off and we did all that kind of stuff. But life, when we talk about stress, our, our goal should really be to have level stress between what I call good and bad or more good stress going on than bad stress going on because we do better with it. We're less reactive when we feel like we can handle what's going on in our lives. When I feel like I can handle what's going on in my life, then I'm at risk for reactivity. Um, one of the things that we know, and this is research-based, is that we as humans need to have stress, some stress. We have too much going on. Most of, most of us in this country have too much stress going on because we're pushing ourselves, others are pushing us. The way our culture and our society has come to be um, tends to stress people out. And so we see a lot of stressed out people, okay? This is my definition for stress here. The demands that are being made on you plus what you think about the demands that are being made on you, plus what you do about it. So our choices that we make about what's going on and how I feel about it can either feed into our stress in good ways or they can feed into our, back into our stress in negative ways and increase our stress, again, in ways that are not gonna be so beneficial for us. So those are the three components that I consider part of uh, the stress that a person has in their life when I talk about stress. So let's talk about what each one of these are. The demands, that's the first part of this. Demands are pressure put on you to change. And those come from all over the place. You can have a demand put on you to change from outside of yourself. <coughs> outside of yourself, right? Caseworker. Yep. Bills. Right? Judges. Hmm? You can have internal demands. So your body can make demands on you to change and it does that when your blood pressure is too high or you have headaches or you know you're not you're, you're sick those are internal demands for you to, to change lots of times what you're doing okay so the body can put demands on us too okay these can be self-imposed demands where I make decisions to do them like going to school anybody dragging you to go to school you must go <laughs> not if you're out of high school right <laughs> So if I'm going to make a choice, ah, you know, I need to get a better job, and so to do that I need to have this degree, then I'm the one that's going to put that demand on me to go to school, aren't I? So we can self-impose our own demands. We can have things going on in our life that we have no control over. You know, like my company shuts down and I, they lay me off. I don't have any control over that. That's an outside demand that I had no control over. But all of this can play in to what's going on. So those are what the demands are about. Pressure put on you in all kinds of ways to change what you're doing or how you're living your life or sometimes how you feel okay 
So some of the most common ones I see here are divorce and separation. My relationship's not working out so good. Uh, arguments and disagreements. It's on there. That's on that sheet you took a couple of times, isn't it? Where I'm having more, I'm having less. It's getting better. It's not getting better. Case plans and court orders. Yes. That's an arena that's not really very comfortable for most of us. Going down to the courthouse is not my forte. Okay. Injunctions, orders for protection, having to attend uh, groups, you know, having to change my schedule to incorporate everything that they want me to do in my case plan. That's huge. Because I got to be here and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to see my kids and I got to show this and I got to have a job and I got to have a. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's a lot going on with some of us. Ooh. And some of them are self imposed and some of them are not self imposed. Okay. The second part of that is well, what do you think about what's going on? What do you think about what's going on? This is huge into truly this balance of your stress or this overwhelm or feeling like you've got it under control kind of thing. How do I think? How do I perceive what's actually happened to me in my life? When we feel um, like we have more negative stress and we look at things in a more negative way than a positive way, we will live on the edge of overwhelm. <coughs> we are at high risk to be reactive because of how we're viewing what's going on. Okay. The other side of that is to feel like I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. So I had a couple people who've been like, you know, I did this before and it was over here and you know, now I really feel like I have a handle on this. Part of it may be because you're not in crisis and part of it may be because you're actually doing what you set out to do, whether you chose to do it or not, and you're making headway and you can see, oh, you know what, it's, it's coming along, it's happening, things are getting better, there's my change in how I'm thinking about things, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So the way we perceive, the way we talk about, the way we view what's going on in our life goes a long way into do I feel like I'm in balance or do I feel like I'm in overwhelm with too much negative stuff going on or do I feel like I've got this and I have, I have lots of good stuff going on and I can handle what's going on in my life. Okay. <clears throat> so when we talk about negative self-talk, you know, I'm wasting my time, there's nowhere to go, everybody knows this. I'm such, a, I'm, I'm such a fool. We have negative self-talk about ourselves at times. That all feeds back into negative and can limit us to move along. Okay, positive self-talk <coughs> can be motivating, raises our expectations. Of course you can do this. It's one of the things we, we work on a lot here. How do you feel about what's going on and how can we frame this in a more positive way? I know when I meet most of you, you don't want to be here. <laughs> I have seen a lot of those dagger eyes and the eat shit and die look. <laughs> lots. <laughs> okay. However, as we move through this, lots of times that self-talk begins to change from there's nothing that you, you're going to tell me that's going to make any difference. I already know all of this. What a waste of my time to, well... You know, I hadn't heard it that way. I hadn't really thought about how this looked in my life. I hadn't really thought about how maybe if I do some of these things, this could improve. And so over time, we begin to see this improvement in ourselves, just from information and from having to, having to participate in things sometimes that we didn't really want to do. Okay? So that goes along there. I want to talk about this um, um, response thing then. The response is what do I do about my stress? And I don't have the slide in the order I wanted it in, so I'm just going to talk about it. So we have the demands being made on us. We have what we think about them. And then we make choices about, so what am I going to do? So what am I going to do? We can mismanage our stress or feed back into it in negative ways when we make poor choices. What would be a poor choice? 
doing the same thing over and over and so I continue to have conflict with my partner okay I can live in an altered state really I need a DUI on top of all this <laughs> no no but sometimes we do things to numb or to get that mental break and feedback in in negative ways that do not help us especially if it becomes like a chronic chronic thing so I come home and every night I have a couple of beers because it helps me calm down you know not not the best thing to do some of us comfort spend got the got a couple of those in the room oh you know what we're just coming through the holidays this, the great sales are starting we're like okay now that Christmas is over we're gonna spend some money <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't tend to help most of us because we, all, we already may really need to be getting ready for and saving money or paying things off and so I'm going to go spend a little more and uh, the bill comes and it's not so, not so good, right? Um, some of us comfort eat. Comfort eat. A lot of these New Year's resolutions that come out are because we've not done so well and we go, you know what, I'm going to do a better job, I'm going to get in shape this year and so I'm going to lose 10 pounds or I'm going to you know, start eating right and exercising and I'm going to quit smoking and, 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 and. People walk into my medical practice with that list and I say, well, where would you like to get started? Well, I want to do it all. No, 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 no. We got to pick one. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with working on your weight or do you want to start with, we're not going to smoke cigarettes anymore? Which one do you want to start with first? Because we're going to do them one at a time. <laughs> Why? Because it overwhelms us. I sure do want to be fit, but doing all of that at once sets me up for negative talk, not doing it, giving up, continuing where I am. So we have to pay attention to those things. Can we feedback it in positive ways? Yes. <coughs> when I say, you know what, I'm going to start walking, I'm going to start walking every evening. And so I start walking every evening and, and I walk for 30 minutes and I build up and now I'm walking for 40 minutes and then I build up and I'm walking for an hour. And you know what, as I've been walking for an hour and I've been doing it for a month, oh gosh, I've lost five pounds and I'm not even trying. I haven't even started on the food thing yet. Just moving more. We can make choices that feed into us in positive ways too. And as we, as we do and, and begin to think differently, we do better. So there's the whole stress thing, okay? Now, you all took that social adjustment tool and some of your eyes are popping because you're looking at your numbers going, is that good, is that bad, what is this, am I dying? <laughs> That's a research tool. And they actually, um, we actually can link physical health physical and mental health to the stress in a person's life. So what you had there was a list of demands. I've actually customized it to, to add some of the stuff that we typically see here. And that's why some of you were like, oh, look at that, that's on there. Yeah, the case manager's not on the original one because <laughs> they weren't doing those people here. Yeah, we have that. So here's what the tool shows us. Normal stress on that social adjustment scale is 150 or less. I know, her eyes popped, yes, I know. I made it. Finally. There, back to normal. <laughs> That's considered a normal level of stress where we would have resources and we would be able to make choices that would help us to maintain this. Uh, it's okay, I'm not done. To help us to maintain balance or feel like we can handle what's going on. With normal stress, we feel like we can handle what's going on in a typical day. So when I have normal stress and I have a sick kid, I don't have a meltdown because I have resources. You know what? I can take the day off. He has the day off. My mother-in-law can come over. We have resources available. Go, oh, I can do this. Not a problem. With normal stress, we feel like we can handle it. So you get a little something going on and we still got resources. I got phone calls. I got people. I can handle this. That's what happens with normal stress. I know. High stress is 151 to 300. 
I know. Okay, so what happens with the, what happens with what happens with high stress? We have a, we we live way closer to crisis, don't we? Things happen, and you know if one thing happens, I'm doing okay. But when you start piling on two or three things in the same week, or God forbid, the same day, I'm going to freak out because I cannot handle all of this stuff. So our high stress people live a little bit closer to crisis, where they their resources are becoming more limited. They're feeling more overwhelmed, and a lot of times it's this negative overwhelm they're living closer to that mo more of the time and so the little things happen and who I'm barely hanging on today I hope nothing else happens because if anything else happens I'm, I'm going to be off the chart over the <laughs> over the top I'm going to lose it okay here we go anybody over 300 is considered extremely high stress <laughs> Which really, which, which really means you're like living right at crisis. Anything happens to you and the risk is huge that you have no resources left to help you handle this. Unless you're doing some of this self-talk and trying to look at what's going on and figuring out ways to look at some of the stuff in a more positive way because it helps to diminish, it helps to reduce the overwhelm that you have about it. Okay helps to reduce the overwhelm that you have about it. So as I came in this morning, there were several of you here, and you were here early. You had a chance to kind of process. Part of coming here for a lot of us is that we have a chance to talk to other people who have the same kind of issues. Helps me to reframe, God, I'm not the only one living this. I'm not the only one that this happened to. The other thing we think is, somebody else is worse off than me. And we never say that to him, do we? Oh my God. <laughs> It helps me. It helps me to realize I'm not alone. It helps me to realize I'm not alone. It also helps when I talk to somebody that's further down the trail than I am. Than I am to say, hey, hang in there. Because tell you what, this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to be better. Okay, so now I also have some hope. What does hope do for balance? Hope helps us to be a little more positive, doesn't it? So I'm working to get kind of an, in a balance here and not be so overwhelmed with all that's going on okay now here's what happens to here's what happens to us physically and mentally with these with these numbers people with normal stress are incidentally going you know shit happens in life so incidentally things can happen okay of 100 people with normal levels of stress about 20% or 20 of them are going to incidentally have something happen. It's not likely to be mental health. So we're not likely to see depression or anxiety here. We're more likely to see something physical. So, you know, it's cold and flu season. I meet a lot of people coming into my medical practice who have flu or flu-like symptoms or this fall crud from the temperatures changing or um, allergy kinds of stuff going on with normal stress. 20% of people with normal stress incidentally will have something happen, you know? You're going to plan for your appendix to burst? No. Sometimes we, we end up with belly pain. Sometimes, you know, stuff happens. Normal people, it happens to. Here's where we start to see stress associated. When we have somebody with high stress, 151 to 300, it goes to 40%. And we will start to see some sadness. We can start to see some mild depression. We can start to see some anxiety as a part of what goes on with the person when they're living under high stress. Did you catch that? It doubled. And it can be physical, and it can also be mental health that's, that we're now seeing challenges with as a person's living closer to crisis and overwhelm. When we get into super high, 
super high, over 300, yeah. It jumps to 75 or 80 percent. Okay, and so there I do see people who have depression and who have anxiety, who have significant trouble sleeping. They aren't eating, and so they're gaining weight, they're losing weight, they have headaches, everything aches. Okay, so we start to see more of the impact going on with the person as they're living with high levels of stress. Okay, that's why I have you take this, so that you have an idea. And as we went around the room, there are several of you that said, I was way over here, and now I'm over here. And the ones that are coming down and over here are further along the path, are doing the things that they need to do, are learning to balance the interpretation with how I feel and they feel like I'm getting stuff done. And so all of that feeds positively into, you know, my stress is coming down. My stress is coming down, okay? I live at about um, 680, went up a little bit recently. And so like today I have a headache hanging on. <laughs> it's okay, I work to be balanced. Okay. I have a couple people who said, I'm over a thousand, right? You're living really near stress. And so it really becomes important that we pay attention to ourselves when we have high stress or extremely high stress so that we don't feed back into our own life in ways that are not going to help. Okay. I really don't need to be having conflict with people that I don't know. So I don't need a bad experience with the public's checkout lady who is just doing her job. And when she shows me, hey, your coupon expired at Christmas. Okay, well, I didn't know that. What, I'm going to get upset over 26 cents? If I'm living near stress, I sure might. And i got to go, you know, it's really not that big a deal. <sighs> Just take a breath there, right? Take a breath. Uh huh. So stress requires a self-awareness. What are we doing? What's going on? What is my day going to be like? It helps a lot to know, to start thinking about tomorrow, the evening before, or to think about what's going on today as I'm waking up in the morning so that I know what's going on and do I need to be careful. I do that. What's going on in my week? What's going on, to, what's going on tomorrow? I'll get up in the morning and go, now, what's going on today again? Here's what I got to do. And so I need to slow down a little bit. I need to be sure to leave early so that I don't get stressed out being late. Okay, I need to be careful around my kids so that I'm not snapping at them. Okay? I mean, all of these things, are, we just have to actively be involved with what's going on with us and how am I going to live among others in ways that are going to help, that are going to keep my life working. Keep my life working. Okay? How am I going to live among others in ways that are going to improve my life? Okay? And that's where you know, I, am making, I am making better choices about what I'm doing. We have um, two types of stress long-term and short-term short-term stress tends to be what bites us in the butt on a given day because some of these are the things that we couldn't predict we didn't know about and we already have a bunch of long-term stress which is the stuff that takes time to resolve underlying it so if you look at your if you look at your score there you know my case plan is a long-term stress isn't it anything that's going to take months or years your case plan shouldn't take years <laughs> is a long-term <laughs> stress. You don't have to necessarily do anything about it every day, but it sits back there as something that has to be worked on and an awareness of, right? When we have to pay off bills, credit card or you know, loans or whatever, it's a long-term stress. Okay? Nobody here has won the lottery. If you had, you wouldn't be here today. I know. I know. So we have, we have money, long-term stress. How are we going to do this, right? Some of us 
um, are working on school, working on a degree. That's a longer term stress, can be eight months. Going to school is a process. If you're working on a, an associate's or a bachelor's or something, that's even longer. Did I put it there? Yes. Yes, and you know, while I look at the big goal down the road, awesome, I can't wait to have that day to day. Again, it can be kind of tough because I have a final due, I have a paper due, I have to get registered for class, I need to get to the financial aid office so that I can pay for the courses that I'm taking. There's all kinds of things that come into play with making even the positive stuff we have going in our life work, okay? So we have long-term stress, the stuff that takes time. The short-term stress is the stuff that we cannot always predict, and so, you know, I would love it if my, my daughter would let me know when she's going to be sick. Like if she could tell me what day in February she's going to be out of school, I would just put it in now for vacation. And then I wouldn't be stressed. Your kids don't do that either? No. I get up. I get up and she's going, you know, my throat is sore and I'm feeling hot, Mom. And I touch, I do the mom thing. No, you're good. <laughs> I don't do the therm. I don't do the thermom. No, you're good. It's fine. Get dressed. We'll see how you're doing after you eat and you move around a little bit. I'm just got my fingers crossed. Please don't be sick. Please don't be sick. Please don't be sick. <laughs> Sometimes they are. You really got to stay home, right? I don't plan for flat tires either. I don't plan for late buses. We don't have to plan for as much bad weather here. I mean, out in the parts of the country that are getting <coughs> snow right now, you mean some days you've got to get up and say, so how much snow is there? And I've got to get up early to shovel my way out the driveway. I grew up there. Okay, so you know, these are other things other people in the country have to think about, not us. You know, I don't have sand blowing over my driveway. <laughs> None of that. Okay, so you know, the short-term stuff is the stuff that we just really can't always predict, but man, it can be the last straw. It can be the thing that really puts us over the edge for today. And we have to be, again, aware when it happens, how stressed am I? Being aware of my overall stress level helps me when something happens that I couldn't predict to go, okay. So I gotta be real careful because that's really gonna push me today. And so I need to practice patience and I need to take breaths and I need to just, you know, let people know what's going on. So I already should be on the phone with my boss letting them know I'm gonna be 10 minutes late because my child is sick and I gotta drop them here instead of coming straight. I mean, you just, I find I have to communicate more this way when I live near crisis, okay? Which brings us to this, because extroverts whew, and introverts deal with crisis differently. An extrovert, the person that usually talk, 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 to talk, 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 talk out here goes into crisis and they, they stop talking. <laughs> you can't tell what's going on with them. You know, you look at them and they look like their head's about to blow off a lot of times and you're like, what is, what is wrong with you? And they, they it, live in overwhelm and they just are kind of looking looking at people, not sure what to do, and they don't know necessarily how to ask for help. That makes a difference, doesn't it? My introvert people who usually never talk, you know, now they're out here looking for information, and so they, they don't usually say anything, and I feel like you're in my face. What is it that you want? Why are you right here? <laughs> because you're overwhelmed. Okay, well, what can I do for you? <laughs> how do we do this? So our personalities and how we like to live flip, flip when we, hit, when we get into crisis and we act different. I meet lots of you when, when you're not in your right mind, because <laughs> it's true. When most of you hit my door, you're in crisis. <laughs> so here I have, <laughs> I know you're not yourself. I go, okay, okay. Do I have a thinker or a feeler? Do I have a organized person or do I have a not organized person? We were talking about personalities last week and I've told you how y'all walk in. I got, the, I got the usual introvert who doesn't say anything that's in crisis and now they're extroverted and if they're an organized person they come in with their papers in front of them and here's what I need and you do and they're like do you do all of this 
yes, I do. are you sure? Because they sent me over here and they told me that you could take care of all, are you sure you do all of this? Because I just really need to get started. And once, this is the introvert now, doing the, acting like this, and once they have the answer, they kind of go, okay, I got this. And then they don't talk anymore. <laughs> then I got the extrovert coming in, and if they're an extrovert, they say nothing, you know, they walk in, and if they're a J, they brought the piece of paper and they just kind of hand it to me. So they, they, and this is what they, they sent me over here. <laughs> they? They did? Who's they? I don't, my, my, um, uh, my case manager? Okay. Okay. And what do they, what do they want? Well, they said to give this to you. Okay. Well, yeah, we do all of that. Now, if they're a, if they're a P, one of these not structured people, extrovert, they walk in just like that with these big guys and they go, they sent me over here. They got nothing. <laughs> they sent you over here. Who sent you? I don't know. They just told me to come over here and they gave me your address. <laughs> Didn't they call you? <laughs> no, no. Okay, well, back up. Who, do you have a name maybe? Yes, yes. It's in the car. Okay, well, why don't you go grab that for me? Because I'm sure I can help you, but I got to have a little more information. They come back in with their card. It says I'm a J. That's not me at all. <laughs> <laughs> they make two or three chips to the car. Because they have it, they just don't know they have it. And then remember, they're in overwhelm, and they don't know what to do. They're just looking for information. So these people present. Are they stressed? Absolutely. And we're laughing about it. But some of you are going, "That was me. Yep, that was me. That was me. That's not me now." Right? Because we really do look very different. Stressed out. Yep. We look very different. They, the they. Right. And then you guys just looking at us like. We can do this. Yeah. Right. I just need some information. We'll get you hooked up. It's okay. Take a breath. <laughs> We're here now. We got you. No, you don't. I'm sure you don't. You don't even know what I'm talking about. Do you know, you know what you're talking about? <laughs> yes. All right. So we've been kind of talking about this model. Okay. When I talk about self-management. The emotion that we have is what we have to be aware of because when I become emotionally intense, and which emotions are going to cause us problems? Facial, <coughs> facial and body line. Facial body line, but what am I feeling? Anger, oh, irritation, annoyance, annoyance, annoyance frustration, aggravation. rage, aggravation. Yes, isn't that interesting? If you came in here gleeful with joy, we would, we would not be talking about this, would we? Because we don't get in trouble for being overjoyous. We don't get in trouble for being yeah. gleeful. We get in trouble though when you treat me like shit because you're frustrated or pissed off. I mean, when you're in school and you're over glee and you just, you're just so bubbly and happy, yeah, you do get in trouble. But um, what is the difference between anger and rage? Rage? Rage and anger. Aren't they the same? Though? Intensity. The difference between anger and rage is the intensity of the emotion. And so when people are in rage, I mean, if we went from a scale from zero to 10, I would think rage is a 10. When people see red, when they um, lose control of themselves, they black out and they act out and do things, that's rage. That's all the way up here. For some of us, we would say anger is a five. Some of us would use that term and say it's a seven or an eight. It, this is where we individually talk about our intensity and it, it's personal to us. Some of us don't have a real big vocabulary when it comes to describing how we feel. And so some people may be frustrated, but they talk about how pissed they are. Those are two different levels for Carrie. Frustrated lives down here at about a two, and pissed is at about a seven. 
So I look at people and go, so, you know, how much of this are we talking about? You are a little bit or you're really that, you're really upset about what's going on. And when I start working with people and get them to step back and say, no, here's the amount. That's a new thing for some of us. We haven't really considered the amount. How much am I feeling? We just have six words that we use for anger and they're all kind of up in the intense level. <laughs> okay. So when we talk about this, I have to be aware of the emotion that I'm having. I have to remember that I have choices about what I do with it. I decide what I'm going to do with it. And when I have a situation that I can't change, I can decide not to feel anger about it. Did you catch that? I can choose not to be angry with this person about this anymore. Why? Because there's nowhere to go with it. And when I stick the anger right here and hold on to it, who am I affecting? Yeah, I'm the one that is that is got the anger. I'm the one that is building the high blood pressure. I'm the one that is miserable over here. And lots of times, they're not. They're not. Okay, so I can make choices about not only what I do. Reactivity is about problem focus. So when we talk about being reactive with our emotion, we're usually making poor choices there. I get out my blame. I'm going to make it your fault. I'm lots of times spooling the intensity up for me even more by the choice that I'm making. When we talk about being responsive, now I'm saying, okay, so what do I got to do to keep my life working? I got to let go about this today. This is not the time to talk about this problem because I have a lot going on. Can we talk about it later this evening or can we talk about it tomorrow? Okay, so there's me managing what's going on in that moment. That's a response. Deciding you want to work to solve the problem with the person is a response. Okay, so some of us get stuck when you first come to see me and you have things you got to do and you go, I ain't doing this. <laughs> that's up here. <laughs> that, that's really problem focused. I'm not doing this because it'll go away or, you know, they can't make me or whatever. And life is getting worse. And my intensity is getting worse, isn't it? And when I can say, you know, I gotta, I'm going to have to do something different. Got to do something different. And I start saying, so how do I reduce my stress? How do I solve the problem in a way that would be acceptable to me? How do I resolve this so that my children return to my care? You know, sometimes we got to let go of some of this shit. And it's not pleasant. I know that. Does it mean that you will always live right here and never experience the emotion again? No. <coughs> if you start squirrel caging, thinking about it, you can get yourself spooled back up real easy. There you are again. And you, hold on. That's not what I, that's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to live. When my first marriage ended, um, I, was, I was living in California. Y'all know I've been married before. Yep. You do now. <laughs> <laughs> my first marriage ended and we were already having kind of issues and we had bought we'd bought a car and he wrecked the car like 90 days into this he wrecks the car totals it totals it I have to have an attorney I get sued by the guy he hit da 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 in the course of the six months that it took for that lawsuit to work through its process with my insurance attorney he was we were I had filed for divorce and we were no longer living together well, as, as a part of this process, they were doing some depositions and I had right to see everything because I was the primary insurance holder. And so my attorney sits me down one day and says, there's something you got to know. And I went, oh, really? Well, what is it that I, I mean, I think I know it all. I think I got the whole thing down, right? <laughs> he goes, well, there was somebody else in the car with him. And I went, what? And he goes, well, yeah. Apparently he had a girlfriend. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, now... 
Is this you finding six months into this or like a couple months into why y'all going through the No, we'd I'd already filed. I was six months into the claim for the vehicle, oh. having filed for divorce, different issue, not working, didn't know about the girlfriend and find out as the case is coming to coming to settlement because they were going to ask me at deposition some questions about this person and did I know and I had no idea. <laughs> My attorney thought it would be best if I walked in knowing yeah, as opposed to lay that on her at the table. So he told me. And you know, it was interesting because I was pretty, I'd pretty much gotten to indifference. I had pretty much gotten to indifference. You know what indifference is in a relationship? Done. Done. Yeah. When we talk about being in relationships, love is an intense emotion. It's an intense positive emotion. Hate is an intense emotion. You see me making this, my arms are out here, because on the other end of love is hate, it's an intense emotion. And if I am still intensely involved with you and our relationship, in a negative way, it ain't over. When we talk about a relationship being done and ending, when you get to indifference, which is right here, you can live your life. Please get a girlfriend. Please get a job. Please take care of yourself. And whatever choices you make are great because they're your choices. And I just don't invest in it anymore. You hear me not being emotional? Well, I was just about there with him. Okay? I was just about there with that relationship. But when I got that news, I did okay in the office. But when I went home... <laughs> that's why I'm telling you this. Because <laughs> we're talking. You can go back and forth between these and again the awareness of am I really working to solve a problem or am I focusing on the problem because it's going to change the intensity it's going to change the intensity so when I have to work with my case manager who I have issues with I can make choices about how am I going to go in there and what am I going to do to handle this situation today to make it better or not for me I'm the one making the choice this is the part we forget about we are the one choosing what we're going to do with and about this emotion. We make the choice. Do other people push on you? Absolutely. Absolutely they'll push on you. You feel it. I just feel like they're pushing my button. I feel like they're just trying to get me to go off on purpose. Yes. People do that to us. And it doesn't change right here. You're the one that gets to decide what you're going to do and how you're going to act. You always have that choice. Okay. So we have good days and bad days, don't we? Yes, yes we do. Carrie has bad days, too. <laughs> I try to have more good days than bad days. All right. When we talk about that response thing, I do not like coping. And so I define things. And so here's my definition of coping. This is when we remain locked in doing things the same way. So I'm really invested in no change. That's what coping means to me. <coughs> So when somebody looks at me and says, oh, I'm coping pretty good. You're not changing. You're trying to just hold on right where you are, huh? And they look at me and go, no, 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 that's not what I mean. Because a lot of people that are attempting change are really talking about adapting. Coping will help move us out of initial crisis because I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to try to get myself to here where I can at least hear and figure out how to handle this moment. But staying there is not going to fix anything. We have to begin to adapt and make change to make things better. So I have issues when people want to cope because lots of times they're really not about changing. You know what? I just won't smoke. I won't smoke any more marijuana while I have an open case. <laughs> okay, so as soon as your case closes, yeah, as soon as it's done, I'm, I'm giving up smoke. I like marijuana. I, as soon as I, nobody's watching me, I'm going back. That's coping. 
I'm going to do it for a period of time. Dieting is coping. <laughs> I don't diet. Don't you want to lose, people want to lose weight? Oh, I'm going to diet, Miss Carrie. Uh, no, if you're going to actually lose weight and keep it off, you've got to change the way you eat for life. It's not dieting. Okay, does coping help get us started? Well, yeah, it can help get us started, but we've got to move on from there. What am I really going to do? Okay, same thing with the way I think. You know, I'm just not going to think about it today because it upsets me too much. Eventually, though, I've got to come back and work on this thing that bothers me, though, don't I? And I have to feel it and I have to decide what I'm going to do about this emotion that I'm having, if I'm going to fix it. So we have to eventually get to adapting and get out of coping. Coping is trying to not change. Okay? I don't like coping. Um, adapting is about changing in ways that reduce my stress. Changing in ways that, keep, that make my life work better. Changing in ways that get rid of the problems that I'm having in my life and then I don't have to even have the anger about it anymore, do I? No, I don't. Okay, so adapting is about me changing what I need to in order for my life to work. And you hear me being responsible. I gotta change what I need to do in order for my life to work. So when we talk about adapting, sometimes we have to find ways to forgive ourselves and others <coughs> for stuff, don't we? I have to be able to forgive myself and I have to be able to forgive others. And I honestly do think when we have somebody else we need to forgive, there's something that we were doing that we have to forgive ourselves for. Because lots of times we will be, I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe I didn't see that. I can't believe that I allowed that to go on for so long. And so I have my own anger at me that if I don't let go of and forgive, it, it can perpetuate. So forgiveness is multi-level multi here. We may have to learn some new ways to problem solve. And we talk about that a lot here, don't we? Deep breaths. What is the problem? Do I need to work with somebody to solve this or is this my problem to solve? What about when somebody wants to give me input and how to solve my problem, how do I handle that? Okay. okay, what do I do to manage my stress? What do I do to manage my stress? I'm gonna give you a few ideas here in just a minute. Where are the positive people in my life? You know, sometimes we have negative people in our life and we have to make a decision to keep them at arm's length because they're really not helping me in this moment. When every time I talk to you, you just remind me how da 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 da, you know, I, that doesn't help me right now. I think I'll put you over there. Okay. No, and then it makes you Right, I have this negative interpretation going on because I talk to you and I don't, I don't, I can't do this right now. I need to, I need to work on positive. I need positive people in my life. So I look at myself and say, you know, if you can't be positive in my life, then I'm going to put you over there, or I may choose not to keep you in my life. I have people that like get rid of friends who are just negative, negative weight, and they go, you know, I need to, I need to move on and find new and better friends because I need positive in my life, and that's a hard thing to do. And social media, yeah. I knock them down. Yep. Okay. So. What are some things we can do to, to help manage our stress, okay? Some of them are for short term, some of them are for long term. I already talked about exercise. We need to be moving our frames every day. No. That would be not good stress management. We need to move because as we're stressed, we're building up adrenaline. And so when we do that, we tend to get tighter, we get muscle hurt, we get muscle aches, we get headaches, we feel like things are bottled up. We tend to be more rigid in just even how we move. And so, you know, you don't have to join the gym. You know, if you're riding the bus, get off a stop sooner when it's nice, like today, and walk a little bit. 
walk a little bit to where you're going. If you're driving, don't do 20 minute circles waiting for the front door spot to open. Just park in the back. Nobody's competing for the back row. Nobody. <laughs> Christmas is over, so the parking lots are empty. Okay? Move a little bit. Give yourself permission to rest. Give yourself permission to rest. One of the things that happens is we lay down to go to sleep and now we start thinking about all the stuff going on in our life. That's not the time. Give yourself permission to rest. And so we have to thought, stop. Say what? My brain does not know what that means. Yeah. So if you can't stop it, you get up. Because if you teach yourself to think in your bed, you won't sleep in your bed anymore. You got to get up if you can't sleep and get out the bed. How can we do anything? It's just my brain just... Right. I have to thought, stop. You may try meditation music, guided, where somebody's talking and I want you to vision, I want you to vision a beach, an island. I want you to vision, I want you to listen. You, some people put on sound so they have music or they'll have uh, the ocean waves that are very calming because it helps quiet the mind. But these are things we have to learn. This is adapting. Lots of times we have to learn things to adapt. <laughs> Type of meditation where you have to have headphones because each ear has a different frequency and your brain takes it and makes a new frequency and it helps to reset it helps to reset the brain when you when you do this but you have to have headphones for this one uh, Kelly Howe is the big one in that field no, um, I know um, Isaiah and I a couple of times we like went on like YouTube on, on the TV and, yep. and, and was playing a video and, and we ended up like going to sleep to it and yep. it was like a, like a really long yep and it's yeah. just like different tones but it's within that frequency range and it helps yeah. to calm yep Taking a time out daily. Now this one's important because I do this and all of us can do this. I'm not talking about you're in trouble. I'm talking about taking mental breaks. Okay, so I'm a salaried person. I don't get program breaks put into my day. I actually have to take them. Or on my days that I work medicine, I have an hour for lunch. And I will take a break from my practice because it's very intense what I do. And I will go to the park. I'll eat at the picnic table. I'll say I'm going to go over here and have lunch. And so I will move, remove myself from what's going on for the purpose of changing my mindset. I like people that take breaks. I don't advocate smoking, but I like the idea. Because when people take their smoke break, they have to actually leave what they're doing, don't they? You can't smoke inside anymore. So you have to leave where you are and go somewhere else. That's the idea of a timeout. I've got to leave what I'm doing, and I've got to go somewhere else. And what else happens when we're outside with the other smokers? We know them all because we meet them every day and so I know Jill and I know Ed and I know Gwen and as I come out I'm like hey Gwen so how was Christmas did your daughter like that grift you got because I've been talking to Gwen out here so I have this social group that distracts it takes me on my mind off of what I was doing how, how long are these breaks 10 minutes 15 minutes you can reset your whole mind frame in 15 minutes not sitting at your desk okay if you don't smoke go somewhere else <laughs> Okay, but it removes us, it helps to reset, it gives us more energy and a mental break from what we were doing that can kind of get overwhelming in the end. We need to be taking a couple of these a day. I take mine at lunch. Okay. If you have breaks though and you don't take them, you need to take them. What you're doing is probably intense and you need to help reset. You'll do better with your customer service, you'll do better with you know, working on your computer or that project that you're doing because you, you go back with better energy after you've had this just little break from What's going on? It helps to reset. I usually have good customer service. Like, even if I have a whole bunch of drama and BS going on in my life, like, I leave that outside the workplace. Mm -hmm. like I can just get into an argument and go to work and smile, and you would never even know what's happening. That's good. Just, 
so you're aware of what's going on over here and making a plan for how does it, what am I going to do in this environment with my day? Right, it's not their fault. Eating, what are you eating? Okay, this, the, the diet that we're putting into our body affects our mood. Okay, if I'm eating a lot, if I'm drinking a lot of caffeine, you know, I'm going to be, I'm at risk to be more irritable. If I'm eating a lot of fast food, it's a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar, without anything to sustain it. And so guess what? Sugars bounce, energy bounces, our mood bounces when we're not taking the time to eat well. It doesn't mean you can't go to McDonald's. You can. Just be aware. You really don't need the milkshake with the sandwich <laughs> and the french fries and the, and the pie. No, we don't need all of that. If y'all don't know me, and I have a couple new people, McDonald's french fries are my comfort food when I'm stressed. I'll just tell you, you see me with french fries, probably not the day to talk to me. <laughs> you should wait a little bit. <laughs> okay, so be aware of what you're eating, okay? Be aware that fast food, the candy bars, all the stuff in the, in the vending machines are generally not so good for us, okay? Who can you talk things out with? Those are called friends. <coughs> Do you have a friend that you can talk to about what's going on? No. Myself. That's right. Some of us. <laughs> and if you're an introvert, you can journal. That's what introverts tend to do. They tend to keep to themselves, and a lot of them will write or they kind of talk their way through it. But if you get stuck, if you get stuck, you're going to have to find somebody outside of self to kind of say, am I doing okay? What do you think that I've got going, what do you think about this? Here's what I did and it didn't work out well. And you know, my best friend will look at me and say, well, Carrie, that was not a good choice for you. What were you thinking? I got a prayer doing those, like I talked to the Lord. There you go. So, just okay. give him my problems. <laughs> All right.